So I then thought I would see my friends and I just felt so jealous of the normalcy of other people's lives. And I thought, wow, I'm super burned out. I'm physically exhausted. My mental health is going into the gutter because of this job. And I don't even want to see my family. Like, that is crazy. That's kind of a new level from where I've ever been. to just doing life with your favorite host, Megan, me, moi. It's 8.40 and I it's the night before I'm hosting this and I totally forgot to record a little intro. So I'm doing it very, very quickly. Um, no crazy stories, nothing out of the blue, nothing out of the ordinary. It's finally getting nice in Chicago. I got my booty burned today because it's so nice out. Um, so, but that's it. Like crazy, right? I'm sure something else is going to come up. There's probably something that's happened to me in the past seven days to share, but whatever. Don't have it. Um, but I do have a great episode up for you guys. If you remember me back in the day looking to go into medicine, I was DMing people, asking people for a sign why I shouldn't go in. And so this episode was an individual who ended up leaving the field of medicine and it was like that reassurance that I needed to know that that job or that field was not a role for a good role for me um so it was very nice to hear from my end and selfishly was asking questions that I had dealt with when I was going through that whole journey but I hope you guys all enjoy she's from London she's great um that's all I got so I hope you guys enjoy oh I did actually mess up this audio and you're gonna hear it in about three two one so apologies in advance. I'm audience. I'm an idiot. And I just <laughs> now got the recording. Just It's okay. Uh, I'm happy to go over some of it if you want. It's all right. You want to give like a little five minute spiel again? <laughs> it's all right. It's not a problem. I don't because I'm for me, it's the afternoon. But for you, it's first thing in the morning. It's first so. thing in the morning. And uh, evidently, I haven't had a full cup of coffee. Yet. <laughs> Goodness. That's- okay. Sorry. So so floor is yours. And um, okay, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no worries. Um, So my name is Helena. I am a former NHS doctor. I'm 26 years old. And after leaving clinical medicine, I started my own life coaching business to support disenfranchised doctors. Um, I was explaining to Megan my story. So including how I applied to medical school when I decided to apply to medical school, which was actually when I was 13, 14 years old. So really, really young. Um, And I'd said that Part of the reason I wanted to apply to medicine was because everyone around me said it'll be such a good thing for you to do. It's a respectable career. You know, you have these notions of what success looks like when you're young. And you also internalize that, I think, a lot when you are in your early teenage years because you want life to be awesome. So you look at what you you see as success and then you think, how do I get there? And for me, one of the things I saw was this career of being a doctor and other things that people were floating to me for being academically successful was, oh, you could do law, you could do business, you could do economics. And being a doctor felt like a really romantic notion to me. So really early on, I thought this will be a great path for me. And I chose to start my process to getting into medical school. Um, And in the UK, the way that we go about it is we do our GCSEs at the end of secondary school. Then we do A-levels, which I believe is sort of our equivalent of pre-med. And then we apply to study medicine at university, and it's a degree that is five years long, plus or minus a year if we want to intercalate in another degree, which I did. Um, So I got a neuroscience degree as well whilst I was in medical school. But the process 
following medical school is we work in the UK foundation training program for one to two years, which is our equivalent of residency. And after that, we can then apply to our specialist training. So, um, and I was telling Megan about how I was pretty sure about medicine, actually, especially before I even got to medical school, I was really gung-ho about it. I thought this is the path for me and I was excited to do my applications. And it was only really once I started seeing more of medicine in the clinical setting that I started to feel quite stressed and anxious around it and wondering if I wanted to do it forever, wondering if it was the right system to, for me to work in forever, even though I found the studies of it, you know, anatomy, physiology, super, super interesting. And I love that it applies to everyone. But I did start to get inklings right about then that I wasn't 100% sure on my path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's about where we got to. (laughs) Before I jump back into it, that was such a fantastic, like, full picture of what we just discussed. I'm, (laughs) again, very grateful that you just mentioned that. Um, I I just want to add two things that you had said before that I think are very pertinent to what the audience might be feeling is one that you said you didn't have any, any family providers or doctors. Um, so, which I always, I just think it's so interesting when people follow, um, pathways that their parents did or like question on them or they go, you know, totally different route. So I just want to point that out. And then also your, your comment about how you like romanticize what you saw on, on media. And mm-hmm. that was kind of one of the draws as well. Cause I think a lot of people go through that. Um, but again, fantastic recap. And now let's get back into it <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> Continue on. God, geez, my interviewing skills have um, okay. So the, the anxious feelings, did you when you started feeling these, these things and thoughts and, you know, maybe questioning, um, if it was the right path for you, did you discuss with your colleagues at medical school or like, like, were they feeling the same things? Um, or were you guys, I know it's a very competitive arena to be in. Yeah. And so, you know, some people are very guarded and want to be like, Oh no, I'm, I'm ready to be a doctor. Like I have no doubts. Um, so just curious if you had that kind of support system around you, or if you were really internalizing all of these things on your own. Yeah, that's such an interesting question, because when I reflect and I think about it, we all used to say how stressed we were all the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And I think in the first term or or couple of terms of university as well, you in general feel really overwhelmed because you've got to figure out life without your parents and home and all your friends. So everything is new. And I remember saying to my colleagues, well, my colleagues, my peers, that I was really stressed and I was anxious about the exams and they all said oh same 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 so I kind of thought oh everyone feels this way so it's normal we're all in the same boat Mm -hmm. and even when I voice to people you know how I was feeling about medicine and we joke I think it's very I don't I I know Americans make sarcastic jokes too but it's a super British thing to just be like oh my god this is killing me like oh Mm -hmm. I'd rather die (laughs) you know oh yep we (laughs) (laughs) yeah we um so it was always a kind of ongoing joke that med school is just putting yourself through the washer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it is kind of hard um, and everyone knows that it's a difficult route. So in a way, I kind of thought it was par for the course. I thought mm-hmm. everyone else feels this way. And we all spoke about it and everyone said, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. Oh, I hate this. I don't want to do this exam, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought, okay, well, you know, everyone feels like that. So I'm probably just, you know, about right where I am right however now in hindsight I actually do think I took things a lot harder than other people did and I think I was quite affected by the stress and exam anxiety and 
like I, I mentioned to you before, I think perfectionism is a huge trait in prospective doctors and medics because you want everything to be amazing, you want everything to be perfect, and you're used to getting amazing grades. So when you fall even short a little bit of what you wanted, you just take yourself down so much, even though you're now competing with some of the you know, like top achieving people right. in the UK. And but yet you're still ranked against them. You're numbered. So everybody in our med school in one year would be numbered against each other. And so if you fell below sort of the average in your med school, which is still really great, you passed your exams and things like that, you would feel like, oh God, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Oh God, like I-, I need to try harder. So I think that was when I started feeling like the the pang of anxiety around not doing well enough or the competition element was really stressful for me as well. Mm-hmm. being pitted against your peers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I can't imagine too going through that mentally when you know what you're doing and what you're striving for is going to be so good for society <laughs> as a whole. And it's like, you're, you're, I don't know. I, 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 the concept I've been down the whole TikTok rabbit hole of medical school and, and the competition factors there. And it blows my mind that I think systems in every country kind of deter people from pursuing something so good and so pure and something so needed. Um, Mm. And it's sad to me that because of the, I I understand that obviously you need to be an intelligent person and you need to have the grit and tenacity to get through it. I totally get that. that The life of a doctor can be grueling, I'm sure. But the fact that it deters people who would be fantastic candidates um, and fantastic providers to the vulnerable populations that's kind of like something needs to change and I know everyone's talking about it but the chances of it changing Mm. I'm sure are pretty low at this point um Mm. so I definitely want to go back to this whole idea of anxiety and and how you kind of overcame that and maybe what your thoughts are on as far as like what the balance is because I do think that any career or job you're going to put yourself in is going to have some degree of stress or or anxiety um so just curious you know your thoughts there but but before we go back to that I'd love to continue on this progression of of your career so at what point then um you you obviously you said you got placed and everything um so at what point then were were you saying okay I'm done I need to find something else well I think towards the end of medical school I was wondering is this going to be what I do forever and the more you the further you progress through med school the more independent you get as well so the more you kind of act like one of the team when you go to your placements so you are attending hospital every day you're part of a ward run team you're part of the GP practice if you're going to GP um and so towards the end of medical school I was wondering okay is this going to be something that I do forever and often I would feel quite apprehensive about seeing the juniors doing their jobs and they would say how hard it was or how much the rotor was killing them or you'd see them after they'd done you know a five day run and they were still going on for like three more days or two more days and you just think oh god that's gonna be me (laughs) and I was I was like oh god that's gonna be my lifestyle and um so once I started working I think it was crazy how quickly burnout just like crept up on me I think within the first three months or so because we worked night shifts pretty much every month and we worked a lot of 12 to 13 hour shifts as well by the time I'd been working for about three to four months I was already burned out and exhausted and I really really needed a break Mm -hmm. Um, and it was coming up to Christmas time because our academic year starts in August 
So it's coming up to Christmas time. And I just remember feeling absolutely dreadful, burned out, exhausted and doing stuff in the hospital that felt so difficult that when I'd go home and people around me were enjoying Christmas and doing lots of stuff like ice skating and having fun, I just felt like I don't want to see my family right now because I'm just not able to get into that festive mindset. I'm not able to feel the kind of joy when I'm dealing with such suffering at work, you know. Mm-hmm. So I then thought I would see my friends and I just felt so jealous of the normalcy of other people's lives. And I thought, wow, I'm super burned out. I'm physically exhausted. My mental health is going into the gutter because of this job. And I don't even want to see my family. Like that is crazy. That's kind of a new level from where I've ever been before. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point I realized that I would have to change something, whether or not I found better coping skills with my job or whether I left the professional, you know, went down to full less than full time. I just thought I can't do this forever. This is not going to work. Um, <clears throat> so I think about then it was sort of like Christmas time, a few months into working um, that I really started to think about it. Okay. And at yeah. that point, did you, I don't know how to ask this without sounding a little too, like I'm prodding and I don't mean, <laughs> if you don't want to answer this question, that's fine. But at any point, did you think two different things? One, like maybe I'm not tough enough for this. Maybe like, like almost like an internal guilt that you, you just couldn't keep up. And two, like you were giving up, like, did you ever feel like, okay, I'm, I'm a quitter. And again, I'm sorry if these are tougher questions I'm just curious you know what what that how that really like mentally no I love those questions because it's also stuff that I obviously had to work through on my own to figure out so um it's easy for me to like explain it if I say so I went to I started reaching out to doctors online who I'd seen on YouTube who had left medicine and I said you know how did you decide if you wanted to leave I'm thinking about it and I got redirected sort of through a few people to this website for for life coaches for doctors Mm -hmm. and I got coaching from a doctor who'd actually left medicine after her f1 so equivalent of what I was doing but it was years before and I started working with her and all of this stuff came out so the kind of concept of oh my god am I quitting am I too weak am I the sort of um weak link in the system and the funny thing is that through coaching I figured out what I really want and it was really clear that I wanted to leave medicine but I was too scared to admit it to myself for a really, really long time. And I always think about this quote now that is intuition is a whisper and ego is a shout. Um, (laughs) And that is really what I was feeling. And I think I had this niggle even in medical school where I was like, hmm, is this right? Is this right? But because it was such a quiet voice, it was easy to just bulldoze it and continue on the route that I was on and think, you know, this logically speaking, you know, the sunk cost fallacy is how much time and energy you put into something and to not throw that away. And that was what I was dealing with. And so through coaching, I kind of unpicked all of that. And then the amazing thing is that once I decided to leave and I started to voice it to my peers, I then realized that I wasn't alone because people started stopping me in the corridor to talk to me about my reasons for leaving and voicing their feelings about medicine and people were jumping into lifts to ask me questions and sitting down with me at lunch and saying oh how did you you know how did you figure out have you got an exit strategy Mm -hmm. and so then I realized like I'm not a weak link (laughs) everyone kind of feels like this at least all my close friends did Mm -hmm. and 
a lot of doctors who I actually thought would be completely steadfast in their career choices um, would speak to me and say, I've thought about leaving, but I feel like I'm too far down the route now. It's It would be too difficult or, you know, like I'm 36 now, so I'm not going to change my profession, but I wish I did when I was your age. And so I started to see this picture that was like, actually, there's a lot of discontent in this system. Um, and that is kind of also where my idea for coaching disenfranchised doctors started to come in because I saw people and I was like, wow, you guys are all kind of like me in different ways. And I see a lot of my story reflected in other people's stories. And so, yeah, to answer your question, <laughs> I did wonder if I was a weak link. I did wonder if it was like a square peg round hole kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But through going through what I went through and then voicing it, I realized it wasn't just me. It was actually just it's really pervasive in doctors to have feelings of stress anxiety overwhelm and to wonder if the grass is greener on the other side of the fence too and then around quitting which is what you said I (laughs) it's funny because I I don't like to call it quitting because I think of it as it could have been quitting if I just decided like oh I can't do this and throw the towel in but I feel like for me it was just changing my path Mm -hmm. And I really embrace the notion of like changing things for the better if something's not working. And so I like to view it as leaving medicine (laughs) and changing my career. And it makes me happy that I had the experience that I had as well, because I think if I hadn't, I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't understand so many things about life and death that I do now that then helps me to do what I do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I think that's great. And I, I ask the quitting question because I feel like that's at least where my mind goes immediately whenever I think about stepping away from something is I immediately internalize it as like I'm not good enough this is me quitting like I'm throwing in the towel like you said (laughs) um but I do I love it I mean obviously you're we haven't gotten to the good stuff yet but obviously you're killing what you're doing and I think I'm a big big believer in everything happens for a reason and so if those experiences you know if you didn't have those you wouldn't be where you are today and so there's no such thing as wasted experience in my opinion you know it it got you to where you are and I think that's huge um so with that I like tell me then what was your you used exit strategy which I thought was a good little term but did you have an exit (laughs) strategy like once you decided I'm gonna step away from medicine or um like when did this coaching idea come into play uh I didn't actually have a strict exit strategy I wouldn't say I knew that I love self-development. I love neuroscience. I had my intercalated degree in neuroscience and it would kind of be a marriage of all the things that I was reaching for on my days off if I went into the self-development industry and, and did coaching. Um, and having had coaching myself, I understood the process quite well and thought this is something that's really helpful for me. And I think it could be super helpful for other people. It also allows me to build on all my transferable skills I'm used to communicating with people on a one-on-one basis I love helping people that's you know one of the founding reasons why I wanted to be a doctor in the first place and so I didn't have it mapped out but I knew that was what I wanted to do so I set up a little booking calendly page um And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to put myself out there and start telling colleagues at work what I'm doing. And a few of them said, oh, I want to work with you. I want to try this. I I don't know what coaching is. And so that was kind of where it began. And in the small smidge of spare time I had whilst I was still working um, as a doctor, I started doing some coaching and I put in my resignation, I think with three months notice so that I'd finish 
the whole year as an F1, our foundation year one. And then after that, I took a sort of mini time off to heal from the burnout and to allow my nervous system to calm back down from the sort of stress of carrying a bleep every day and being really jumpy. And then I started to sort of, and I'm still in the process of amping up through using social media and getting my services and offers out in front of people. And now I'm working with people and I've spoken to clients all over the world because now with the power of the internet, it's insane that people can connect with you. And I've just, it's amazing how many people I've spoken to and worked with in such a short space of time. I've only really been vocalizing about doing this since January and it's April. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, here I am now and I'm helping people. But yeah, that's awesome. So do you, is your clientele typically people who are still practicing providers or are they people who have left and are, you know, on the next part of their journey? Majority are doctors, but I've also had medical students reach out to me um, and also people who are non-medics, but professions who have similar issues or um, busy sort of like work Lawyers, schedules and things. Like Stuff that we talked about before. Yeah, yeah. I treat them all as confidential, so I'm not going to say yeah. what yeah, their oh, jobs are. Sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is my clientele. And it's it's really nice because I get to speak to them about all the stuff that I found was really strug- I was struggling with when I worked as a doctor. Things like regulating your nervous system mm-hmm. and managing your stress and anxiety at work, which, to be fair, like, uh, towards the end of the year, I managed to get really good at it because I'd been working with my coach. And also I'd taken a lot of the pressure and stress off of myself because I knew that I was going to leave and change professions. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so nice to meet people who are dealing with what I dealt with and then to be able to say, hey, look, things can get better. And no matter what, you can always make changes. You get to make your life however you want to make it. And then inviting people to give themselves permission as well to create the kind of life they want if they've been on this path for so long um but actually they're not happy inside and sometimes mm-hmm. you need someone to reflect it back to you that it's okay and I, I'm really happy that if I can be that person for someone yeah absolutely I, I have to ask do you it's so interesting to me because what you're doing is fantastic I think it, it's so great and having <laughs> being a voice for people or, or being that that ear for people to speak to is, is probably so rewarding. Um, does it ever irk you though, that, you know, there's people like you who are doing all these great things to, to patch up the, the people or the damage of the healthcare <laughs> systems across the world. Does it ever, you know, drive you bonkers that there's just this systemic issue in the first place? Have you ever considered you know, approaching the system as a whole, as opposed to the repercussions of it through these one-on-one conversations? Yeah, I think it's so difficult because with the NHS, we, you know, it's a government funded system and the provisions are going to be limited. It's not the same as sort of growing a different type of business where there's a focus on profit because we don't pay for healthcare in the UK in general. So it's a really difficult system where you know it's going to be a bit understaffed. You know it's going to be a bit under-resourced anyway. However, I do think that we could do with some policy change. And I do think that people who speak about the experience of leaving medicine, which I've now seen a lot of different people doing on platforms like YouTube and TikTok, um, 
I think that over time, people will hopefully understand what doctors' lives actually look like and that it's not at all romantic and it's not at all easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and principally as well, that I think a lot of people think doctors are super, super well paid, mm-hmm. which in the UK by hour, I think recently they released this sort of, it's almost like a meme, but everyone was sharing it online, all the doctors that I know. Doctors in the UK get paid less per hour than prep workers. Um, than what workers? Pet work is this a cafe? It's kind of like oh, Costa Coffee. Okay, have okay. I, was like, I have no idea. What that is. Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> okay. yeah. It's kind of a chain like Costa. So per hour, because of the numbers of hours the doctors work and the salaries right, right. they get paid. Yeah, um, and so it just kind of went around everyone. You know that all the junior doctors I know, and they're sharing this, and they're going on strike at the moment um, because of the pay and the pay discrepancy. And it does, there is a message, I think it's a, it's a really sad kind of like underlying message. It's like, we don't really value our NHS workers. We don't really value the NHS. And because people get healthcare for free, it's really difficult because you people still go in and get angry when there are long waiting lists or when appointments get rescheduled and things. So it's just a very difficult system to thrive in, I think, for doctors when you are dealing with understaffing, being under-resourced, under a lot of pressure to make ends meet all the time and to get everything done. Mm-hmm. And then I think policymakers as well probably need to take a look at why doctors are leaving in droves in the UK. I think there's a statistic that says two thirds of doctors have researched actively leaving the profession this year in the UK and 40% Just of this year. Oh my Lord. <laughs> yeah. And 40% of hospital consultants are resigning or changing their route to leave hospital medicine. Mm-hmm. That's a huge proportion. So I think there's definitely a systemic issue. It's becoming more and more obvious mm-hmm. to the point where now it's like, it's not even quiet quitting. It's just quitting. People are just saying, no, I'm not doing this. And it's almost like setting a boundary. But that's the thing that Exodus, I think, is probably what's going to actually stimulate change. And it's unfortunate, but something's got to give at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. I know we're going through the same sort of issues over here. Is it's, I, I blows my mind that the the pay transparency piece. I've seen videos of like physician assistants or anesthesiologist assistants that are making six figures within a year after graduating. And, you know, it's another six years before some of these, like these physicians are making even close, which I just think is, it's crazy because the work and the, and the I don't know, just the hours, the sheer hours that are put in to get to where yeah. you are. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just always curious, people who come out of the profession, what they think is kind of the next step. But obviously, I mean, you said it, it's going to be a bit before things are actually changing. So I'm glad that you got out while, while you were <laughs> at least whole, right? Um, just just curious, you know, what are, what's are you, like the path looking like for you now? Is it just really diving into this coaching work and you know, putting all your time into this? Are you exploring other options? Yeah, I am. At the moment, I'm focusing on coaching mainly. I also have a tutoring job with English as an additional language student. So they're from Hong Kong. And I really like doing that as well, because it's a little supplement as well to income. But it, it also adds a bit more structure to my lifestyle, which now is completely up to me when I work, how I work. Um, and my coaching schedule as well. I just put up my booking system for my clients. And so I work as and when I want to work. Uh, so really my focus is building up 
my coaching business, getting a little bit more um, sort of a consistent online presence because it's really difficult when you've been trained in a formal academic background to then adjust how you work to be putting things on the internet and to mm-hmm. be sharing things with people and right. it's exciting right. yeah because you 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 <laughs> close everything off I know that everyone's so yeah. about, like not making your name known on social media um so that, that's got to be interesting I am curious sorry to totally cut you off but one thing that just came to mind that I wanted to ask you about was um I was listening to this other podcast recently and they were talking about the education system as a whole and how mm-hmm. it cultivates these these individuals who who may be high achieving in the classroom, but that ultimately doesn't mean anything as far as how sec- successful they'll be in in life because you don't get an A for doing your job anymore in work. Um, the valedictorians that they talk about who were super, super successful in school and were high performers, you know, only a small fraction of those individuals actually went on to be quote unquote successful. Again, everyone's idea of successful is, is different, but you know, the societal thought of, money, power, Mm -hmm. all that. Um, So I'm curious, you know, what are your thoughts as far as how the education system breeds us to, you know, individuals like you who are perfectionists and want want to get the good grades? Do you think there are some faults in the system that Mm -hmm. don't encourage maybe pursuing a path, like something that you're a bit more passionate about or something that you're working with your hands a bit more than just getting the A on the exam? Yeah, I definitely think that's true. I feel that we I've heard people describe it as this it's like a permission paradigm you know from a very young age you're in school and then you start to have to ask your authority figures around you for things and you're not even allowed to study certain subjects unless you apply to it and then you get accepted and things like that and we've got this permission paradigm that's like oh you have to put your hand up and then if the teacher says you can go to the bathroom you can go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. and with being in medical school as well everything is so structured laid out for you that I think you actually do end up in a permission paradigm for the rest of your life you don't or well generalizing I don't think a lot of doctors think that they can just take the reins on their life and say no I'm not doing that or no I actually really like this and I want to go after this because we're so used to having a structured path and having everything laid out for us step by step knowing that we can do F1 and then core training and then we'll apply to our specialty training and we'll be a registrar and then we'll be a consultant and knowing All of that stuff is like having a scaffold there for you. And so I think you get a lot of doctors who are weirdly super mature. Of course, you deal with really difficult topics, but also kind of infantilized inside and not necessarily having put their needs or thought about what do they really want in so many years because they've been on the path and they've just been peddling, continuing. Mm -hmm. And I know that's kind of what came up when I spoke to a lot of doctors who were at the intermediate grade training or even further down the line and register or consultant level training. And they would say, yeah, you know, I wanted to leave, but I never did it. Um, I always felt too far down the path. And so I do think because of that permission paradigm, so many times we're waiting for someone to be like, it's fine. It's fine for you to change your mind. It's fine for you to make another choice or say no to something or say no to medicine in general. Right. But I don't think it's always fostered that way in the education system because we learn that we need to ask permission and that having structure is such a good thing. And if you're like a perfectionist, then you want to have that structure. You want to have everything laid out for you and you want to know there's an element of control too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I've never heard that permission paradigm, but that sounds spot on. I mean, especially for for someone going through the medical field path where 
they go straight from college in the US that is from, you know, college into medical school. That's 20 plus years then of where you are really following the, can I go to the bathroom or, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, um, so that's so interesting. Um, well, this was amazing. Thank you again. Is there anything else that we didn't get to that you wanted to share or anything that any questions you had or anything else you wanted to touch on before I let you go? I don't think so. The only thing that I would say is for anyone who's thinking about changing their path, you always, always, always have a choice. And you'd be amazed how things can change so quickly in just a few months. You know, I left medicine about eight months ago. My life is completely different. And I'm so happy that I, you know, took the plunge and made my change. And because I've done it, I know that other people can do it. I know that even though it's terrifying before all of that, afterwards you'll be like how could I have done it any other way mm-hmm. and it's just such a nice it's a nice thing to go through but, but yeah just remember you always 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 have a choice if it's not working yeah I love it I love it well before I let you go um if you want to plug your your socials and your website I have your website pulled up so I, I will absolutely link <laughs> in the um bio notes as well um but please just go ahead and give your little spiel so that people can find you if they are maybe questioning I know you said that it's not always just doctors that you work with so if anyone for that matter wants to reach out I'm sure you'd be happy to to chat with them yeah absolutely my website is www.helenabridge.com and my socials are at helenabridge underscore on Instagram and TikTok and I also have a YouTube channel which is just my name Helena Bridge Um, and if you did want to talk about coaching or if you want to get on track to your dream life your version of a dream life then I do offer free consults and you can book those via my website Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Helena. Again, this has been such a pleasure. I'm so grateful that your little video popped up on my TikTok and you're (laughs) eager to chat with me. Um, But I hope to stay in contact and I'll reach out when this is all up and loaded. Um, But yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you, Megan. (laughs) Absolutely. Bye, Helena. Bye.